Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. This week, it's another worth repeating episode, this time featuring fantastic author of the popular Jesus Storybook Bible, the amazing Sally Lloyd-Jones. Sally's books we can read with our kids or read on our own daily and be reminded of God's great love. Be reminded that he came to rescue us. That is nothing we have done. It's not about our do's and our don'ts. It's not about being something so that God will love us. He loves us. And Sally puts that into words perfectly. I know this will speak to your heart today. I think we should just get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Sally, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you, Heather. And I've told you I love your accent. People who've read your children's Bible may not know that you would have an accent and probably don't know your backstory. Would you tell them a little bit about where you've come from, how you've gotten to where you are? Yes. Um, So I was born in Africa, Mm -hmm. um, in Kampala, Uganda. Spent the first four years of my life in Africa, which was a wonderful adventure. Life is like a safari kind of Mm. thing. And then, so we lived in Kampala, Uganda, and then in Nairobi, in Kenya. And then we came back to England for a few years, and then we lived in Freetown, Sierra Leone, where I went to an international school there for a year, and then didn't really thrive. I wasn't one of those children that excels. I was too dreamy, and I didn't pay attention. (laughs) So my parents had the impossible decision of would they let me just not thrive in that school or would they send me to boarding school so they chose to send me to boarding school at eight which sounds terrible but in fact it was there that I it's so distinct to me the whole memory of that school I loved it I had the teacher that made all the difference the one who I think we all have someone in our lives that, as a child hopefully mm-hmm. that makes all the difference and for me that one of them was this teacher this English teacher who told me I could write and mm. so that was a huge blessing to go to that school even though it was hard to leave home at 8 yeah. I always love to tell that story my sister's a teacher and so I always like to tell that story because we all know how valuable teachers are but sometimes I think they need to be reminded how valuable they are and what power they have for good and so I'm very grateful for that school then I ended up being in boarding school till I was grown Mm. and initially worked in publishing because I thought that was the only thing that I could do. I didn't think I was good enough to be a writer Mm. and came to America thinking I'll come for a year. I've been here ever since. That was in 1989, so it tells you (laughs) how much I know about anything. (laughs) And it was while I was here that I worked in publishing, but all the time I was beating myself up thinking I'm not really brave. I haven't lived the life I want to live, and I'm not brave enough to take the risk. And beating yourself up, I think we all do that. But the trouble is we do that in the middle of our story. We don't know the whole story. And I certainly didn't know the whole story. And Mm. in 2000, I got laid off in massive cutbacks. At the time, I would have been, if you overheard my prayers, it would have been, God, please don't let this happen. That would be the worst thing. I need the pension. I need the health care, all that stuff, those Mm. golden handcuffs. Yeah. And now I look back and I'm so grateful that he answered my prayer in the best possible way, not giving me those things, but giving me what I really wanted, which was to be a writer full time. So... Tim Keller, my pastor, always says, if we knew everything God knows about what he's doing in our lives, we would cheer him on. We don't know, and I didn't no. know, but that's for sure. If I knew then what I know now, I would totally be cheering him on, and I'm very grateful. that. So that's a long answer. No, I love it. I so, love every part okay. of that because 
yeah, it's encouraging, uh, one, for us to support our kids' teachers because they have a voice in their lives that yeah. our kids are like, sure, mom, sure, whatever. You think I can write, but you have yeah. to say that. You have exactly. to. I know. But to have an outsider say, no, this is a really a gift I see in you. I see a lot of kids, mm-hmm. a lot of different version of a kid, and you have this unique gift. And then also what you shared in your story about we sometimes want the control and the life that goes a certain way and heaven forbid tragedy happen or job loss or or any loss. And that could be the start of the next big thing. That could be the way that God's actually, isn't it? Oh, terribly hard. Oh, I was with my sister was visiting from uh, London just this last few days. And one of my nephews is struggling at school and, you know, both of us were trying to work out ways to fix it and how mm. to be sad and everything like that. And then I was reading a Bible passage about the fact that tri- the word tribulation means, I think, being pressed down and that the only mm. thing that creates wine and bread is the grain being crushed and the wine, the, the, the vine. Grapes. Yeah. The grapes. What we're sometimes wanting to stop is the very thing that would produce something beautiful. And it just reminded us both, yes, he's going through this really hard time when we hate it, but where is our faith? Where are we looking? We have to realize God's in charge of his life, mm. not us. And he's up to something so much greater than we might want, that we even yes. imagine. We want the great, but but we don't even have our eyes set on the right. It's hard, yeah. but to, to keep in mind that God is up to something good and great. And using us at our weakest place so that it becomes about him, right? Yes, exactly. That it's not about anything that the grape did to become the wine. No, exactly. <laughs> but that, that was the pressing that did it or that that was the heart and then his strength is revealed. Yeah. And I, I think it's in God's grace, he, he's so patient. He'll wait till we're at that point. And then I guess he can start getting to work once we stop thinking it's up to us. That's you know, so good. We have to be good at our craft. There's no question. That's part of our stewardship. We always have to be saying to him, it's only because you give me the words and you inspire it that it can be anything mm. so, wow. I'm very clear who the author of the success of the book is yeah it only by his spirit could it have the spiritual fruit that it has yes exactly and that's one of those that's his business isn't it because yeah. we can be faithful he doesn't ask us he just asks us to be faithful and it's up to him how he brings fruit mm. and I'm very conscious that I have very faithful friends who have planted a church in a day in, day out, they're doing thankless work that doesn't show any kind of numbers. It's not like the church is bursting at the seams. They're plowing into people's lives, but the fruit is there because it's deep fellowship. Mm. But I always say to them, you may not see the fruit. Like I'm getting to see some fruit, which is amazing. But I think whatever we're doing, sometimes we won't see the fruit. And that's yeah. our job isn't to know what the fruit is. Our job is to be faithful, isn't it? And know that God's word doesn't come back empty. And the unseen is the eternal. Those are the things and we the, don't see. In the yeah. of things, it'll be the people we don't expect who will be. So um, I think that even speaks things. to the mom today that's home and all she's done is change diapers and feed exactly. a baby. And it seems very unseen and unimportant. Exactly. And it's so eternal. That's a soul that is getting to know Christ's love in a tangible way through every time her hands touch that baby's yeah. flesh. Yeah. We have no idea really, do we? we only see very tiny corner of what God's doing. Yeah. And it all just comes back down to trusting him. We're all deployed in different parts of the same job. We're all mm. doing what God's called us to do and it's none of our business what he's called anyone else to do. We just do what he's given us to do. 
and yes. know that we're, we're part of this big, huge story that's so wonderful. Yes, the big, huge story. I love. I love that. That's that. That is what everyone's drawn to. I think without any of us really planning this, the way the reason this one hit a nerve, I think, is that it was short enough, lean enough that you can read capture the plot line of the Bible in one sitting. I think yeah. there were others that tried that did it, but they were longer, which you would think would be better. But the truth is there's something about the length that makes it accessible. You know, if it was too much longer, I think then you'd start to lose people. It would be too intimidating. Yeah, my I was telling my sons, I had the Bible out and I said, I get to talk to the lady that wrote this Bible. I said, what would you want me to tell her or ask her? And they, my oldest son said, tell her that I read the whole thing in the mm-hmm. week and I thought it was great. And I loved the pictures. I said, she didn't draw the pictures. He said, I loved the story and I could read it. I think he was just... It yeah. gave him a confidence that he could read the whole thing. Yeah, I love that. And and even, strangely enough, I think for adults, that's part of why yeah. it's accessible to adults. Because I think, especially now, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of attention span with the internet and everything. And the the chapters are short enough that they're just like three pages. Yeah. So there's like exactly what I know for me, I, more and more that I'm on internet and everything like that, it's harder to read for long periods without becoming antsy, isn't it? And I know mm-hmm. for young moms and stuff, that's really hard to find the moment. But if it's short enough, then it's, oh, I can read this because it's not going to be too much. I think you hit, a, you hit a nerve there too with adults who maybe didn't grow up in the church and are unfamiliar with the traditional texts that I had one mom I posted. Does anyone have any questions for Sally? And, and one mom who I know is a newer believer, she said four years ago, this was the only Bible in their house. And that she read it with her daughters, and it's how she learned the gospel. That's wonderful. And I think there is, like you said, an accessibility that it's not as intimidating, that mm-hmm. they could sit there with their child. And then I think once the gospel has been shared and there's an overall understanding, then they can go to to the traditional text and, and maybe dissect right. it more. Yes, exactly. I think once most of us, the reason we put this children's book into a an adult edition is because it was a children's book that grown-ups were reading, as you yes. know. Yeah. And yet we, so part of it was like, well, poor children, they need their own copies. Let's give the adults one so that they don't keep stealing them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also because the real vision behind it was, let's remove any barrier to someone hearing this amazing good news. Mm. And while there are so many evolved adults who don't mind reading a children's book, there are, so, there are many who probably never would pick up an illustrated children's book. And others who just wouldn't be drawn to a book that had Bible in it, to be honest, or even the name Jesus. And a friend of mine who's a very smart publisher early on had said, if you called it the story of God's love for you, you could reach all kinds of people that would never, ever pick up the storybook Bible, the Jesus storybook Bible. So I'd always had that in the back of my mind. And then I thought, if it's beautifully designed and it's called the story of God's love for you, suddenly you can give it to all kinds of people you wouldn't give the Jesus Storybook Bible to. And Mm. it became, the vision was that it would become a book that you could share with everyone. Most people do think they know what the Bible's about and it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Or or they they think they know who God is and that's not the God I believe in. And so if we can help them see, even if it's just a slight, oh, like that, then you've done Mm. something, haven't you? If, If you've got someone to even think, oh, this isn't completely insane. The other reason I think a children's book has had an impact on adults is Jesus told us, part of why he told us to be like children is because children have a ch- this faith that mm. um, 
we often, I think God speaks often to us, in, at least he speaks to children very much in, to their hearts and their imaginations. Yeah. And I think as grown-ups, we have these defenses up. And yeah. something about writing for children, adults reading a book written for children, I think it ambushes, it catches them without their defenses up. Mm. And they respond in that same place like a child, that heart response, which is how God wants to talk to us and wants to reach us. And I think it captures their imagination. And I think that's key, isn't it? Yeah. You're not going to ever, it's not through points and debate, summary and debate. It's through telling a story. And a story is so powerful. A story doesn't come and insist at you. It just tells you a story. And it's a, it plants a seed. And that's what's so exciting about a story is God can use it. We don't know. Again, we go back to that fruit. The, the seed is planted. It's not our business to know what's happening. But God's word goes out and it doesn't return empty. So even by sharing this story, in a, even in a very distilled form, which is what this is, you're planting a seed. And I think that's so exciting. And I hope we, we heard from the London City Mission that they were going to use it to hand out to all kinds of families and all kinds of different religions. Mm. So that's really exciting too. And it tells the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. And at the center of the story is a baby. And it really is just this most wonderful, because the Bible is this most wonderful story. And mm. my job in writing for children was to distill it down into its most essential form. And because if you write for children with excellence and you respect them, then you're going to bring along the adults. Yeah. And I think if you, I, I can't remember who said this, I think it was Kafka, but someone very brilliant said, <laughs> if you tell an extraordinary story with very simple language, it has great power because, and so by writing for children, the language is simple. It's not mm. dumb. It's not simplistic, right. but it's simple. And it can let this extraordinary story come through. And yeah. I think that may be, it has become what we're hoping with this book is it just is a great introduction to someone to let someone who may never have any idea what we're talking about have a glimpse at the wonder of what we're talking about, why we love, why we're Christians, why we follow Jesus, that it's not all about rules so that keeping them so God will love us or about heroes that we're supposed to copy so God will love us. It's about a God who loved us before we even knew him, yeah. a God who will move heaven and earth to be close to his children and won't ever stop loving them. That sort of story just melts your heart. So I'm excited about it because I think it's a way for people to share the side of our faith that we don't, that people miss. They think it's about rules. They think it's about making God love us. Mm -hmm. But it's about a God who, who's passionate, who loves us so much. And you have to start there, don't you? Before you, you have to, that changes your heart, not rules. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. your life changes as you see you're loved. Yeah. And then the rules are obviously there to tell you how life works best, but you're not keeping them so God will love you. You're keeping them out of gratitude because he loves you and because that's the way to happiness. It's so good. It's perfect with the holidays coming up and not knowing what to get that college nephew yeah. or yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's great for a teenager. Like my nephew who's 15, I couldn't give him as illustrated. That's that age where they're not going to yeah. go anywhere near a children's book. Oh, when all they really want is like an iTunes gift card or some kind of gift card yes. and you don't really want to give a gift card again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great option. I do have a question one of the um, listeners asked. was, Were you taught the Bible this way to see Jesus in every story when you were a child or did that come later as an adult? Yeah, that came later as an adult. And, and in fact, I have to probably credit one of uh, a Sunday school I went to when I was six. 
Mm. Those people, I've no idea who they are, and they were very well-meaning. But that Sunday school, for some reason, I just hated it. And I was a Christian. I knew Jesus as my best friend. Mm. But I remember going with my dad to Sunday school, and in my head, it's one of those snapshots in my head, just dreading going to that Sunday school. Mm. And I remember it was literally coloring inside the lines. It was all about rules. It was just nothing about it was wonder or imagination or anything. Mm. And what, why I bring that up is that stayed in my mind and it became the sort of absolute thing I w- was going to avoid in this book. And it really it guided me because it reminded me, I think the Lord allowed me to remember that so well because I could remember what it was like being six and mm. how despairing I felt. I think I hated that Sunday school because I just felt like, why would I want to go to school on Sunday and be told I'm doing it wrong? That's basically what I felt. Wow, yeah. And so whenever I was writing a story, it was all motivated to tell that six-year-old, no, it's not that. It's about this incredible hero. It's an adventure story. I told, uh, so everything I wrote in that book was to teach myself and any child who is like me that this book is, so it guided me. And so mm. the answer to that question is, no, I didn't realize it was all about Jesus. I thought it was all about me and what I'm supposed to be doing to make God love me. And mm. I knew I wasn't doing it. So in the back of my mind, I thought, God must not really love me then. He can't mm. be pleased with me because I'm not brave like Daniel. I wouldn't ever let myself be thrown to lions. I'd deny my faith immediately. Mm. I knew that as an eight-year-old. I, I, I knew it. So that's that funny mix of, you know, inside that you're not good enough. And you think you've got to be good enough so God will love you. So all through my childhood, even though I knew Jesus as my best friend, I felt like God wasn't pleased with me. Mm. And it was only really not that long ago where I I came under that kind of teaching that I give a lot of credit, obviously, and acknowledgement to Tim Keller's teaching in New York because he taught me how to see Christ in all the scriptures. And he was taught by others. And I, I realized it's not new to him, but I came under his teaching at just the right time. And realized once you see Jesus in every story, it instead of being left with the despairing thought of, oh, I can't be as brave as David or Daniel, you're left with, but there's a greater David and there's a greater Daniel who would save his people, who would come like David and be a hero and defeat the worst possible enemy we could ever have, which is death. So once you see Jesus in it, then it's just all you can do is worship. You're not left thinking, I'm no good. I can't do that. Now you're like, oh, God knew I couldn't do it all along. He just yeah. needed me to know I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. I love all of that. And it answers one of the questions a listener asked was, well, did you have a child in mind while writing? And I think you were writing to yourself what to you would wish you'd heard. I, I also have my nieces and nephews, and that, that's the who, were, who I dedicated the book to. So mm-hmm. they also, I imagined them sitting around, as I, sitting around me as I told the story. And mm. so what that helped me with was I couldn't rely on any jargon. I couldn't just say sin because I don't know any child that understands what that is unless you explain it. Some, I don't actually know any adult that really understands yeah. it. <laughs> and again, the temptation yeah. is to think sin, like your son, is about breaking rules. It is about breaking rules, but it's about much more than that. It's about yeah. breaking a relationship. It's about breaking God's heart. Yeah. 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 Taking, Making everything orbit around you mm. instead of worshiping and it's also I I thought how else can I describe sin and I thought it's like running away from God and hiding in the shadows yeah believing lies yeah it's it's like eating poison that makes your heart sick Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't work anymore Mm -hmm. so using those kinds of things then suddenly you're engaged and you realize oh that's not something I want 
I don't want to have something that makes my heart not right. Or I don't want to run away from God and hide from him, you know. Yeah. Oh, also good. I did have one listener ask that we have Jesus through all, all the stories. And some people, their struggle in believing in God is the God of the Old Testament versus the God they see in the New Testament. And your book, is it's the same God. Yeah. But they were wondering how you reconciled that yourself, I guess is the question. I think the more I've studied this, the more blown away I am by the tenderness of God all through the Old Testament. He, yeah. he has a bad reputation in the Old Testament, but the thing that's helped me a great deal is the Old Testament, as I've heard someone say, is really one long, glorious record of God's people's failure to live up to his commands. Mm-hmm. Again, he knew they couldn't, but they thought they could. And over again, they fail him. The other thing is, People make the mistake of thinking just because something awful is in the Bible, that means that what's God is. There's lots of terrible things that happen in the Bible, but there are people in the Bible, sinners. And also God had so much at stake. His whole goal, you know, if you read the Bible as one story, you realize his whole goal is to free his people for Mm. all time from sin and death. Yes. And everything that he does is motivated by that ultimate goal of having them free and back with him forever without sin. So once you know that's overarching everything, yes, there are very confusing things in the Old Testament, but there is incredible love and incredible pointing. Over and over again, he's saying, I'm going to send you someone. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to bless the whole world Mm. through a son who's coming and a prince who's coming. And he gives this promise to people who fail him over and over again. David, who is a murderer and and an adulterer, and he says, I'm going to choose you And through you, my promised rescue is coming. So it's this, yes, there are some very difficult things in the Old Testament, but I think if you really study it, you'll find that there's just as much love, if not more. It's the same God. And it's even everything about it is pointing to the coming rescuer. So it's wonderful when you start really delving into it, I think. Yeah, and I would did a BSF last year. We did the life of Moses. And even reading Leviticus and Numbers, oh, goodness, who wants to study that? But if you really look at it, God was so good and kind in how he yeah. treated the yeah. Israelites versus how other gods treated those that worshiped them. That exactly. If you look at the comparison of the culture, too, yeah, he so always how- said the opposite. He came down. <laughs> I know. He, yeah. He- yeah, we don't always know all of our facts, do we? Mm-hmm, <laughs> we don't know mm-hmm. the context and we don't. It's like when people, they don't realize how God treats women in the Bible, how, you so know, much shows kindly. Yes. that Jesus should appear to women first. Well, women back then had no, they weren't allowed in court. Their testimony didn't count for anything. And yet God chooses women to yeah. be the ones to be the testifiers of his son's resurrection. Things like that. Yeah. That tells, that, I love that God because he's yeah. saying, yeah, they don't have any voice in your courts, but I'm going to choose them to tell the good news of this in- most incredible event ever. Isn't that it's, wonderful? It's, I just yeah. it's like that. Yeah, I think that is. And I think, like you said, that your books, both the new, the story of God's love for you and the Jesus Storybook Bible, they capture our hearts. They break down those barriers of resistance mm-hmm. and any complaint or um, argument we may throw at the Bible and capture us. And then we can, and then God, let God do the wooing. <laughs> let his Holy yes, Spirit do exactly. the wooing. Isn't that and, such a relief that we don't have to do it? We just have to be faithful doing what he calls us to do. Yeah. And he's the one who provides the growth. And thank goodness. <laughs>
Thanks for joining me in this Worth Repeating episode. This conversation was originally recorded in November of 2015, and I'm honored to get to share it with you again. Such good reminders for all of us. And we have linked to Sally's books in the show notes, which you can find wherever you're listening to this episode. I also want to invite all of you to join us over on Patreon. We have the Don't Mom Alone community over there. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash don't mom alone there are a couple options you can be a cheerleader and just help support the production of this show or you can be an insider and join us for live q a's and starting in 2021 bruce and i are going to be leading you all through a strength finder series we're going to do the 101s of strengths finder how it impacts marriage parenting your career how you spend your time it's such a great tool as we head into a new year to really know how god's gifted you And like Sally said in this episode, we have been all called to this great story, but uniquely placed in how we use those gifts. And we want to equip you and empower you to do that well in your homes and in your communities. So join us over on Patreon, become an insider. I'd love to meet you over there. All right. Thanks y'all for listening. See you here next week. Adios.